The MX Vice Show. Welcome to episode 31 of the MXY Show. Great to be back once more. I'm in the studio. Lewis is at home. If you've not listened to this before, I'm James Burford of MXY. And on the line is uh, MXY editor Lewis Phillips and Rob from Jukebox Beats. So, Lewis, still alive, still coping? Yeah, it's hitting a bit harder this week. Really? I'm not having, I'm not having a great week, to be honest with you. Okay, okay. I'm, well, a little, I'm a little bit sad. Oh, oh dear. Okay. Well, before we get to your sadness, I want to thank Seven, MX, Talon, Yoko, Prox, Liat, Hinson, KYB, and Even Strokes. These are the guys that bring us uh, week in, week out this show from their support. Without those guys, you know, we, we wouldn't be doing this. Great to have those guys on board. Um, if you didn't know already, Talon have got the Evo wheel out. It's uh, a little bit cheaper than uh, the carbon wheel that they produce. Great product. If you get a chance to look at their uh, website, it's just been updated. So head over to um, the Talon website. So, Lewis, let's get back to you being sad. No, we just miss racing, don't we? Like, I, well, it's just I kind of realised at the weekend that like Supercross would have finished now. So then I was thinking, oh, I wonder what would have happened with the end of Supercross. And then when you think we would be, uh, what would we, six rounds into MX? We'd have round seven this weekend. Like, that's crazy. And also, I realised Vulcan Squad was two months ago. That's insane. Yeah, that that feels like that feels like it was still three weeks ago. That's that's a long time. Yeah, I mean. The eight-week break, I read the Olsen interview earlier, and it's going to be riders like that who are going to be um, literally profiting from, from what's going on at the moment. Because from the interview, what you've done, I know everybody's read it and everything else, but it sounded like he was in a lot of pain. Oh, yeah. Like, well, it's like I said last week, isn't it? he wouldn't have finished the season. Well, he would, maybe would have, but he wouldn't have been a contender that he will be now after this break. No. No, I think... Um, it's going to be people like him and, and a few others who, who picked up those injuries are able to um, recuperate now. And there seems to be uh, some tracks opening up, obviously, in Denmark, Sweden. Um, have they extended the list in, in Holland at all, Lewis? No. No, the list only came out on Friday, so it's Wednesday now. So there's no... Okay. But the list is fine as well, except for the fact that Davy Pooches isn't on it. Yeah. Yeah, which is someone who actually does need to get some bike time, I guess. But from people I've spoken to, I've, done, I've, I've found a little bit about this. It sounds like the list was made by someone who may not necessarily know that much about motocross specifically. Oh, wow. Which makes me think that this person went through the MXGP, MX2 and WMX championship standings and picked out all of the Dutch riders who are on there, which would make sense. That's a foolproof yeah. method. Yeah, sure. But obviously, Pooches hasn't raced this year. No. So... 
like that would make sense as to why he got left off. That's kind of what I've made it out as. And to be fair, that would make sense because that part of the announcement didn't go on MX Vice, but there was also a road race list, I believe. Oh, okay. So it would make sense that one guy did both and kind of used that as his method. On the note of uh, the Dutch opening, the new Red Bull video, how awesome is that? What new Red Bull video? The one featuring Verstappen in Hurlins. Oh, yeah, that was quite cool. Wasn't it? I, I, did, I was just watching it generally as well. I didn't know Hurlins was going to be in it. I was just watching it and I was like, oh, who knew? Yeah, I mean, that was, I mean, the video, the, the stuff they, those guys do is, is pretty impressive, hey, Red Bull. Well, this brings me back to what we were talking about last week. You know what I was saying about Vassen's story and how it hasn't got traction and stuff? Yeah. Hurlins is one of those people who has the personality to break these boundaries a little bit. Like, if you'd put, I'm not going to name someone because that would get me in a lot of trouble. <laughs> but if you'd, put X, if you'd put X Rider in that position of the Red Bull video, it wouldn't have been as cool, I don't think, because Hurlings has got this aura around him as the guy and this, like, I, I guess, superstar status. Are you getting excited? No, I'm just, but there are certain guys who have similar results who don't have that same, well, not similar results, obviously, because not many people have results like Hurlings, but are close to Hurlings and don't have that same aura around them which is where I think MXGP sometimes lacks because in America, I think it's easier for these guys to establish their personalities a little bit more and obviously everyone speaks the same language, so that's easier stuff as well, but that's, that's my random thoughts, which well, you didn't ask for. Well, thank you. No, I appreciate that. Um, no, I just, I really like the video. I like the, I like the way it was put together. It is really freaking cool. If you guys haven't seen it yet, then head over to, um, to Red Bull TV. Or mxvice.com. Or mxvice.com even. Yeah, even better. Um, I don't even think it's on Red Bull TV. Is it not? I don't know. I got it off YouTube. It's, no, it's not. It's because it's not, it's not actually a Red Bull video. It's a Red Bull racing video. Oh, okay. Oh. It's, actually, it's actually a video from the F1 team. Oh, right. I'm, I'm sure someone would put us right on where, where it is and stuff like that. No, it's on, it's on Red Bull Racing's YouTube, which makes the fact that Hurlings is in it even more impressive. Yeah, I guess so. Because that... YouTube channel has X amount of subscribers who are only there for F1 content. Well, it's uh, interesting that you put the comparison there of when Carmichael was on um, Top Gear. Cool, you have been on MXY, haven't you? Hey, I've done a little bit of homework. No, I've been, um, I've been busy um, with building new bits and pieces for MXY and stuff like that. So I've, I've been reading some stories as I've been updating. Yeah, because I remember, do you remember when Carmichael was on Top Gear? I do. I don't, it was 2009, so I don't know how I would have, like, I don't know how we as a community would have caught wind of it. Because well, the interesting thing was he was done racing, like, that, you know, two years before that. But, like, I, re I specifically remember, I never watched Top Gear because it's got too, too many wheels. So who cares? And it's also on road, so who cares? So, but I remember specifically finding out that Carmichael was going to be on that Sunday and watching the whole show for Carmichael's appearance. But obviously that, at that point, social media wasn't as big a thing. So I don't know how the hell I found out that he was going to be on that Sunday. But I remember a specific, like that's how um, much of a gravitational pull the situation had. Because I was sat there waiting just to see Carmichael on this show, which again, kind of broke those boundaries. In the end, it was massively disappointing because he only appeared for two seconds and didn't even talk. Right. Two seconds is it was something. Two seconds is all we need. We'll have to um, ask JH about how that even came around. 
came about. That is actually a good idea. Yeah, I'm going to... I'd imagine it would have gone through Ken Block, wouldn't it? I don't know. Well, Ken Block was obviously the feature, and then I imagine it went from there with Monster and... Yeah, it's probably Monster-related related idea, I would have thought. Um, I'll ask JH, and we'll we'll get to the bottom of that. Um, so, I'm missing you in the studio. It's weird. I've got Barry here, dressed in the 7MX kit. I'd just like to point out again how happy I am to not be in the studio, because my commute time for this podcast was one minute. I'm not, I'm not stressed, because I haven't just driven three hours. I'm quite comfortable. I'm not stressed, because I have to drive three hours after this. So, I'm in a great place. Well, um, I, I miss you. Well, I'm more than happy. Um, how was the birthday? 25, made a fourth be with you. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was great, actually. What did really you get enjoyable. too much? Did you have a party or anything? Uh, no. Did you, your but, mum, your brother and, and Dougie do anything? The dog? No, I, I just worked. Okay. No? Yeah. No girlfriends I, slipping in the window? I wouldn't break lockdown rules, would I? Oof. Okay. I don't want old Bosler getting on my case. How is uh, how's Tinder going? Um, great. Everyone's on their phones, so. Oh, so is it now opened up new possibilities? You've got a, you've got a real you've got to capitalize on the situation, you know. Ah, I like your style. So um, you know, <laughs> coronavirus kicks in, and there's um, there's more ladies for you to to connect with. Yeah, I just need lockdown to keep going. <laughs> Are they finding you as funny as we do? I don't think anyone finds me funny. Oh. I think if, from what I can gather, yeah. as this podcast goes on, more people seem to hate me. Like, I'm find me surprised. annoying. I'm not surprised. No, but not, rider, not riders and people, fans. Yeah, I'm not Apparently, surprised. I've seen a few comments pop up lately that my voice is annoying, which is great for the self-esteem. So That's thanks safe. for that. Yeah. Interestingly, MX Vice um, uh, sales on the MX Vice t-shirt have been outshone and outsold by Lewis Sucks t-shirts. So... Yeah, it's not surprising from what I've been seeing. Yeah. Really um, hit, my, hit my self-esteem, but for those people out there, I will work on my voice to try and improve that part. And also, someone said that I try too hard to be funny, but I don't know what that means because oh, I don't feel like... I, oh. I feel like most of the time I get laughed at for not... For oh, that no reason. Hurt. That must. I don't feel. I don't feel like I try because I feel like you just laugh at everything I say, and I'm like, well, I wasn't even trying to be funny. To be, to be honest, uh, you can cope with any, any, literally anything apart from someone telling you um, that you're trying too hard to be funny. I don't want to be funny. I want people to leave me alone. I'm not trying. I'm <laughs> like, like that. Like you're laughing at that. I'm not trying to be funny. I just want everyone to leave me alone. Like, take me seriously. Also, I haven't seen the video. I, um, Millie and Max, uh, Anstey put together a video for your birthday it had yeah. some um, pretty cool people pr- i mean it was it was a private video but uh, who, who was on there <laughs> are you gonna play it huh? no it was a private video oh a, yeah not really podcast material oh okay sorry i didn't know we were not supposed to talk about it well i don't really see why we would talk about it well i'm just celebrating your 25th birthday it's fine we can move on i don't i don't really need to talk about my birthday Okay, okay. Well, yeah. you know, you've been you've been stuck in just you and Tinder, so I thought it'd be quite nice for you to talk about stuff with your friends no, who are online listening to you. Fine. Okay, it's fine. I'm I'm good. Okay, there is something I'd like to talk about. Oh, okay. So Wilson Todd um, has undergone ACL surgery. 
Yeah, which he done in Valkensvard. I remember yeah, a crash. But I've got, an, I've got an axe to grind. Mm, okay. Because, do you know what I'm going with this? No. So you found, you, credit to you, you found out on the Sunday at Valkensvard that it was more than just his finger and he'd torn his ACL, fractured his tibia and all of that, and it wasn't good. Yeah. True? Yeah. Right? So when, I don't think you ever saw this, but actually I don't know if I should say it. I'll say it and then we can always edit it out if you feel like I've overstepped Mark. Um, what you, you put Mark? No, well, I don't know. If maybe I shouldn't go. No, that's fine. Um, so after the race, Wilson Todd announced his finger injury only. Yeah, we I put that on MX Vice and put at the bottom no details because it hadn't been the knee injury hadn't been addressed. But I put it also sounds like there may be some other things that have cropped up, so he could be out for a little while. Yeah, us knowing that you had got the information from his mechanic that. His knee was screwed. Yeah, um, but I didn't want to. And at that point, but at the same time, we didn't want to pull it out because it was between, you know, me and yeah. Me. But I put, I put he, he there are some other things that he could be out of for a little while, and um, Steve Dixon commented on that Facebook post with, "Oh, looks like we've got another doctor in the house." So at that point, I was like, "Well, James, your information's clearly off." <laughs> like, so I was like, "Oh, well, James, James, no, no surprise, James has fucked up." That's my initial reaction. Fuck me. I've gone down the path of trying to believe James again. Oh. But oh no, here we are a month later. And it turns out that, oh look, Wilson Todd has injured his knee. And he is out for a little while. Two months later. But oh look, this has actually happened. Well, you need, you need to message Steve, don't you? Well, it turns out, that, like, I, I just don't know why we've got to play this game. <laughs> well, I, well, you need to message Steve. Do you feel like this isn't really podcast material? <laughs> no, it's fine. It's fine. I'm sure Steve's listening to this and having a chuckle because he's probably... Uh, you have to... I, I completely understand. I, I do understand it because as a team owner and manager, you're trying to protect your sponsors and everything else by saying that your rider could be finished. Yeah, but we, never, we just said it'd be out for a little while. Sure, sure. But you, I, We actually I'm, did I'm a favour by not addressing the knee injury before this. Sure. And I'm just saying that on... You know, I guess with... With a football team, if a if a player gets injured, um, there's another ten people who can step in, reserve players. Da, 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 da. The sponsorships in place. If if you're basically saying that your only rider, which he currently had at the same at that time, is going to be out for quite a considerable amount of time if he's done his ACL, which is minimum six months, um, then that's pretty much the season done. So if you start announcing that quite quickly, your sponsors are going to be. Ro- Round two and just thinking, okay, um, maybe this isn't the best investment. Yeah. So I, I, I completely understand it. and I, I, I Just my point, because obviously at that point, Steve put out on Facebook and then the fans jump in like, oh, well, look at that. Oy, oy, oy. <laughs> you have to play the game, Lewis. Play the game. Well, no but one yeah, wants to play my game. We just got to play everyone else's game. Uh, yeah, I know. I know. It's it's a it's a difficult. Um... Oh, and here we go. This was another one. Oh. Now everyone's going to say I'm whining. Oh, okay. No, I'm not whining. I'm just <laughs> addressing a point. Yeah. Point so get and to conclude this week's podcast. Fuck everyone. <laughs> I don't. I. Um, I'd just like to point out that that's Lewis. <laughs> that was see that okay. That was a joke, but I wasn't trying to be funny. Yeah. I just was saying something. I don't know. I don't one, know. one of the things I always tell you... I'm going to go now. One of the things I always tell you is sometimes we don't know the dif- difference between when you joke 
and when you're serious, which you then tell me, well, that's because it's funny. No, I have a dry sense of humour. <laughs> Maybe before you um, actually say anything, you should say that before. All so, right. Maybe we'll introduce you as that, is that MX Vice editor Lewis Phillips with a dry sense of humour. Okay. So more news that I want to talk about oh, okay. after that. Um, yeah. So the FFM released a statement last Thursday that said, and this is actually quite big, so they said that they expect um, international events, they, the FFM expect to run international events as of September the 1st. Yeah. Yeah, that green lights the nations, which is okay. But the biggest thing here, France obviously borders Belgium and other countries that I can't think of right now. And <laughs> <laughs> Italy? Um, Switzerland? It's just geography and music you slip up on, isn't it? I am qualified in geography. I don't know how. <laughs> Genuinely, I do not know how. And I'm not sure what you're qualified in. Uh, yeah, so what, makes this, what this makes me wonder now is if France is greenlighting international events as of September the 1st, would those neighbouring European countries be forced to follow a similar pattern? And if so, does that delay MXGP to that point? And if so, does that severely impact my mental health? No, I think each country um, is going to have their their own ideas and agenda with um, lockdown rules. So the UK, well, actually, Holland, Belgium have already announced, haven't they, that they're September the first as well? Because Lommel's down for October, uh, August the second, and we know that isn't happening. Like we know that can't happen. I, I think I, Germany did something similar. I think looking forward, I think the longer that people can leave it. You know, the like you say in the UK, we've currently it seems that we've we've reached a peak and now we're we're on the other side of it. So, in the, those other countries are you know Spain and Italy and, and and they they were about a month in front of us. I think I'm no expert, however, this is what I've read. So, I, I based on based on everything that you know we've seen and we've read, I I think probably the safe safest scenario is september the first because that would mean that you know we don't even know how we're able to travel anywhere yet because you know virgin's just announced that they're closing down gatwick and three thousand people are losing their um jobs and then Aer Lingus yesterday basically put on a full plane with everybody sat next to each other uh so all the information from all the different countries and, and everything what's going on is so varied that we just don't know yeah, this is the pub. This is what we were getting at last week. Like, Supercross can, uh, what's the word? Supercross can attempt to make something out of the ordinary happen, which is what they're doing because they're dealing with one country's restrictions. Yeah, MXGP. If if France, Belgium, Italy, the UK, Latvia, Sweden all go, it's green lights. But say uh, Australia, even if Australia go, yeah, no one's leaving Australia for another month then we're screwed because there are a lot of riders now at the moment back in Australia. Uh, well, every Australian rider not named Jed Beaton has gone home. Yeah. So like there are so many, for MXG, MXGPs like F1, I guess, and like MotoGP and other sports like that is kind of really at the mercy of the world because what can they, there's nothing, they can't really try to make anything happen. They've just got to go along with it, which sucks. But. Yeah. Uh but the only the only good thing for your mental health is to know that every week things are getting better and and returning you know 
to, to normal, well, as normal as it can be. So, um, you know, at the end of the day, there's people with a lot more knowledge and um, insights than what we've got. But I think, uh, I think we'll, we'll, we'll start seeing practice tracks and lockdown it, um, start to open up um, over the next month. What, in, in England or in the world? I think in England, in, in, some, in, in some European countries, I think we'll start to see. The, the good thing about our sport is outdoors. So as long as you, met, you, you keep social distance measures, um, which you can do, uh, the, only, the only issues is going to be is for people like um, paramedics. And also, if you have an injury, you have to go into hospital and stuff. Personally, I, I wouldn't want to have a respiratory injury um, practicing and then go into, into hospital. So that's going to be the only thing which is going to possibly hold motocross back, I would have thought. Um, Are you yes. still alive? Are you still here? Yeah, that was just yeah. a lot for me to take in. Okay. Um, okay. I don't know. Did you um, want to go? Well, you want to go off the show now and, and go back in bed and put your duvet over your head? Glen Helen's open in America. All of the practice tracks in California have opened up again. Glen Helen's limited to 75 people, I think. And I don't think you're allowed any extra people with you if you're riding. Like, you're not allowed a wife or a trainer or anything like that. So that's kind of moving a little bit. Okay. I think just, it's uh, it's just going to be common sense. I, I I do think that you when, say I lack fat, so that's not good. <laughs> I think once the wheels start, See, turning, you laughed then. I wasn't trying to be funny. I was just no, pointing I'm that out to myself because I think of all the all the times that I've said that to you when you have no common sense. So yeah, it's little stories that go through my mind over the years. There have been a lot of them. Yes, a, a lot of stories and a lot of... When one, I think one show coming up when there's no racing for the next couple of weeks still, we are going to do a stories from GPs. Yeah, stories from GPs. And I think we, we've talked about it for ages. We need to do the, the MX Vice history, even for the first 10 years. I could fill a podcast with the first time I went to Qatar. That was hilarious. Because I was very scared because I'd never been to a country like Qatar and I generally thought if I miss... If I didn't obey one of the rules, I was going to get shot. <laughs> like I was on, before we went to Qatar, I was on Wikipedia, and it said that if you wore, if you picked up your fork before your knife or something, then bang bang. But so I, I was petrified. But I can remember that um, John accompanied us on that trip, and he was just literally leading you up a garden path with all these different things, and you were believing him. Well, no, I remember as well, I read that you're not allowed to wear shorts. And then I remember on the last, and you actually followed me on that. You, you, no one else with us wore shorts because I said I'd read this. And then on the last day, we asked the hotel receptionist whether we could wear shorts. And she was like, yeah. <laughs> that was a hot uh, weekend. The naivety. Yeah, well, that was my first international, that was my first GP as MX5. <laughs> I was very, I didn't know what was going on. Well, um, I... I... I read uh, Jason Thomas's column um, talking about the nations this year, and I really do hope that um, if that's the, the news from the FFM with with France and, and the restrictions ease a little bit, then um, it'd be great to see the the nations on again this year because Erne with the nations is such an amazing place. But who knows? Who knows? The nations will run. The nations is going to. There's not a doubt in my mind. The nations is going ahead. Yeah, but it's that it's that scenario again of of the nations is brings in a lot of revenue for in front. So, and the reason why it brings in 
a lot of revenue for Infront is, is because of the amount of people that attend. Now, if those people can attend, you know, I, I just wonder whether it's in their interests, if you know what I mean. What? In whose interest? Infronts, because if... Oh. Because the, the amount of money that's generated from, from the across the nations from the people there, and especially in a place like France, um, you know, if, if it's not going to be, if you're not going to be able to have 50,000 people there, um, and you've got to have, say, 5,000, because that's the limit, what, you know, the, maybe uh, the restrictions placed on the event. I don't know. I'm not saying that is, but I'm just saying as an example, um, would they still want to run it if they couldn't make that money? I know. I don't. We had this discussion last week. I don't think we can go ahead with GPs and events like that unless everyone can crack on because, like, Supercross can run with no fans because they make money off of NBC. They haven't always made money off of TV networks, but they're now in a business position where TV networks are actually paying them to show their broadcast because it is a value. But MXGP, like some other sports that I can't name because I don't follow other sports, um, has gone down beyond demand route mainly. That's their priority. So it's a different situation. Uh, one thing um, to everybody listening, uh, which we would appreciate, is we have a survey going out um, in the next couple of days, Lewis. Is that correct? Yep. And this survey is to find out kind of um, people's spending habits, kind of, you know, will, will you, when, you, when we get the chance to go back to motocross, is it, still, is it going to be business as usual for, for the likes of us and the likes of you? Or are you going to have some changes? And the reason we want to find out this is because this data is going to be really interesting. Now, the, the car industry, um, I believe they've had something like a 97% decrease in buying new um, cars this year because of the virus. So I w I'm, I'm quite interested to find out whether this will be, whether motocross, people are going to go out and buy new bikes. Is it just going to be business as usual? Or are people actually going to sit there and just think, I'm going to hold on to my bike for another year? So we've got a survey going out this, um, uh, this week. And it'd be great if you guys can, uh, can spend some time and go through the survey just so we can find out some information and we can use it on uh, the next Up and Coming podcast shows. The other thing as well is there's about £500 worth of um, vouchers in, in kit and all different stuff to, uh, to, um, as, as prizes for, for actually competing in the, um, uh, in the survey as well. So That sounds amazing. Yeah, it's decent, isn't it? It's always nice to win something. I, um, I sent out some packages for uh, even strokes yesterday, and I, um, I found some really cool T-shirts from uh, throughout the past couple of years. And I just added, you know, some, some cool stuff into people's, um, it's always nice, isn't it, to get free stuff. So, um, yeah, if you get a chance, we, we, the amount of giveaways in, in competitions we do every week, if, if you're not on social media and if you don't follow us or you're not on the website and, and stuff like that, you need to because we, we do send out quite a lot of stuff. So if you get a chance, go to mxvice.com or evenstrokes.com. Okay, I'll do that. Do it. Uh, let's go for a little break and uh, I'll talk to you when I come back. Okay. See you in five. You are listening to the MX Vice Show. Technical Touch have been supplying KYB OEM spare parts and factory kit suspension in Europe for decades. 
Many of the riders you see on track in the FIM Motocross World Championship are using KYB suspension from Technical Touch. Whether you are looking for factory kit suspension or KYB spare parts and oils, they have you covered. Shop now at www.technical-touch.com. Yoko have returned to top flight motocross with a bang. The Yoko Vili collection is made with racing in mind and designed to be the lightest and most flexible motocross gear on the market. Go to yokoeurope.com to locate your nearest dealer or shop online. Talon wheels have been iconic in the industry for over 30 years. Designed, built, and manufactured in the UK. Talon wheels, sprockets, and footrests, and clutch baskets are used by professional riders like Jason Anderson, Zach Osborne, and Sean Simpson. Head over to www.talon-eng.co.uk for more info. Even Strokes is the newest e-commerce store in motocross. Built by motocross enthusiasts, Even Strokes understands your need and offers all of the products you need for a weekend at the track. Shop now for Yoko, Alpine Stars, Fast House, and more at evenstrokes.com. Liat, protecting riders from head to toe. Check out liat.com for more. Hinson is the world-leading manufacturer of clutch baskets, clutch covers, clutch discs, and springs for both dirt bikes and quads. Hinson products are used by many leading riders like HRC Honda, Monster Energy Kawasaki, KTM Factory Racing, and Monster Energy Yamaha Factory Racing. Shop for Hinson products at technical-touch.com. The MX Vice Show. Welcome back. I'm James Burfield. And uh, on with us is uh, Lewis Phillips, who's uh, having a traumatic time at the moment. I'm having a traumatic time. You sound like you're at a funeral. <laughs> if uh, if anybody follows Lewis's program, I'll see again. That isn't funny. Like I'm not trying to be funny. I was just coming back. Like I was just saying something. Oh Jesus! As you can tell, he's he's struggling a little bit with. Um, oh, someone's really put, like people are really lockdown. pissing me off. And um, he's even found himself on on vital, haven't you, Lewis? Yeah, someone someone was mean to me, and I, to be honest, I've I took the I've taken the feedback on board, but I don't know how to improve myself. Like, okay, apparently my voice is hard to listen to. Voice box transplant tomorrow is scheduled. Okay, and also someone said you're a disgrace to Worthing. <laughs> that was on Twitter a couple of weeks ago, but I've just remembered that. <laughs> I think you're the best thing to come out of Worthing, given that you're competing against a video that went viral of two guys noshing themselves off in the town centre. I I would say that I'm up there in Worthing as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, you, you can't please everybody, I guess, buddy. I, I was going to actually say something there, trying to be funny, like as a joke, but that joke would not have gone down well. Yeah. Um, also, today, which is uh, Wednesday, I think this podcast is probably going to be going out um, Thursday this week, uh, just because we've got a, a really cool interview coming up later, which we want to add to the podcast. Um, two years ago, we lost Eric Gabor, so the kid which is um, a massive shame. I got the pleasure of meeting Eric at a dirt bike show quite a few years ago. And it's one of those times when you meet your heroes and you never know if, if when you meet your heroes, will they turn out to be, you know, the, the heroes you perceive. And he was such an awesome guy. And uh, I'm really glad I got the chance to, uh, to meet him and, and spend a little bit of time with him. So, um, yeah, thoughts and prayers of his family. So, Lewis. What are your plans this week? Um, 
don't know, I'll have a bit of a laugh, a bit of rave. I'll go clapping, I'll be clapping for the NHS. Good guy. Eight okay. Yes. Nice. Yeah. Tomorrow. Right. Um, um. What What can we expect? Tomorrow at Tomorrow at seven p.m. on the MXGB Facebook page. Right. Um. Is a race night. Okay. Are you hosting this? Yeah. Oh wow. So so, um. What is it? Well, I I kind of obviously everyone knows this year I've taken on their social media. Yeah. Um. And obviously, I had to. I have had a few ideas that I wanted to action in this period. Yeah. So I got in contact with the relevant people at the ACU to see if they could get the race footage that went out on Eurosport or wherever it went out. Yeah. Um, last year. Okay. So that I could put it on Facebook pages like a watch party, like Pro Motocross have done and stuff, because that would be quite big for the British Championship. Like Jesus, there weren't even social media posts after the race last year, let alone a video. <laughs> so, um. So, yeah, so, so, so what have you got? We've what, now got we've now got all eight of the rounds from last year, the TV footage, and I'm putting it up on Facebook every Thursday night at 7pm for free. Wow. Wow. That's... I think it's quite big. Like, I think that's, for, Brit for Britain, I feel like this is quite big. I guess so. Do you not think? Well, I think you could do anything, probably, and it would be better than what they currently do, so... No, but I feel like just for British motocross in general, to have, like, an actual TV footage on Facebook rather than Eurosport at 3am. I tell you what, it's like, I find it absolutely hilarious that the first year you get taken on and there's no racing. Yeah, it's quite difficult. I've run, I'm running out of photos fast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a carry-on. But uh, it's given us the opportunity to do cool stuff like that. Well, the other thing which I found quite weird, and I know probably we shouldn't talk about this because... Possibly everybody outside of, of the UK probably really doesn't give a shit. But um, I found it weird how everybody was championing running the youths with the adults. And then now it doesn't seem that the youths and the adults and people are now saying it should never have been run together and da-da-da. What, you mean fans and stuff? Fans, what would you say? People from the industry, stuff like that. Um, I just, it just... It's a load of nonsense, really, isn't it? What? Just people very wishy-washy. Very wishy-washy, and then no one sticks to their guns and no one sees things through and backs it. And it, I thought it was a strange decision by... Um, we know the decisions what's been made. I understand we're in the coronavirus and stuff like that, but I don't know. Anyway, that's, that's for another I show. I don't even know what you're talking about now. You're just kind of... No, it's, I, I read that Tim Tim Lightfoot thing in you know on the ACU and what you know the British Championship and all that lot and I don't know, I don't know. Anyway, sorry, gone off topic. I don't know what you're. Okay, brilliant. Thanks I, I, for that. When you put when you start saying the ACU and the British Championship, it just brings back bad memories for me. Well, we would like you to turn to the positive side with us as we charge forwards in these difficult times and look at them to sunnier moments in the future when the 2020 ACU British Motocross Championship will be run. Yeah, whatever. Um, let's, let's talk about something productive. Uh, what's happening on MX5 this week? Uh, I've got quite a few interviews scheduled. Okay. So hopefully those happen. Yeah. If people answer the phones, but I've got to type them up, so that takes a while. Answer your um, phones, people. It's Lewis Phillips, for God's sake. The people need interviews, Lewis. We need. I feel like I'm being. I probably feel like I'm close to being blocked by a few people. No, I'm joking. Um, 
no, yeah, I've got a few. I've got a couple of decent interviews lined up, and I'm trying to work. I've been trying to do this stats thing for a while, which is really breaking me. Well, are you you do moan a lot, mate? To be fair, oh, it's just no. I'm trying to work out some stats, and like for some reason, it just isn't working. Right. I feel like I need to move on. Yeah, probably best. Yeah, <laughs> probably best. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, do we have any questions this week? We do. Okay, what have we got? Who are these questions presented by, James? These questions are brought to us by Liat. Liat, protecting riders from head to toe. Check out liat.com for more. Great work. Thank you. Great hosting ability there. Okay, questions. Number one is from Brad Wheeler 12. This was actually from two weeks ago, but we didn't do a show, so, and I wanted to bring it forward. Oh, cool. I actually have a lot to say on this. I just want to say, actually, thanks, Brad, for helping me out with motocross tracks. And Brad said, who will be the next rider who isn't in MXGP already to win that title? You got that? Yeah. So, like, as basically, who will be the next MXGP champion from the current MX2 crop? Or, if none of those, further beyond that. Well, I've got... I would have said, if, if it was last year, I would have said Prado. Well, obviously. Thanks for that insight. Yeah. But I, I don't know. It, can I okay, say I'll go. Yeah, but okay. Well, who who do you think from MX2 would well, be able to go up and challenge Hurlins and Prado? Well, this is my thing. What people don't realize is Gertz, Vial, and Prado are basically all the same age. So Gertz and Vial are gonna when they eventually go into MXGP, they're gonna be dealing with Prado for the rest of their career. They're mm-hmm. not gonna get a window where Prado's gone. That's not good. So what's to say that we're not gonna see a repeat of what MX2 was last year and the year before in seven years, six years. Like, there isn't... You could say that, oh, yeah, eventually the Hurlings, Caroli, Geyser, Prado wave will be gone, and then that will open the door for guys like Vial and Prado to win the MXGP Championship. But I can't see Prado retiring before those guys based on, A, their age, and other factors. So it wouldn't surprise me that maybe no one maybe you look maybe you have to look beyond this to Liam Everts or Cade uh, Wolf yeah I was going to say it might be a ne- new generation depending on how Prado adapts to the 450 and how dominant he's going to be yeah that's but there are some question. there are some current MX2 riders like Vial and Gertz are very small so who knows yeah but Olsen Olsen uh, yeah Olsen's a good ben, ben will be really good Beaten eventually, he's not got to go up for a while, but he's kind of built well for a 450. I feel like, yeah, um, agree. I'm struggling to think off the top of my head, but there are some good, there are some riders in MX2 at the moment who I think will turn into um, great 450 riders. Ben and Olsen, obviously, being the don't forget, um, because they're going up next year. Don't forget one of my favorite riders, Ferrato. Yeah, he's sure he's gonna be great on a 450. Sure. So, yeah, good question, Brad. But yeah, like I don't. Yeah, I almost wouldn't be surprised if a, if a world championship comes from someone like Ben or Olsen as opposed to Gertz or Vial. I think I would put. I think if I had to, right now, I would put money on the pair of Ben and Olsen versus Vial and Gertz. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I think Gertz has the the ability to do it. I think. Um, It'd be interesting to see what he's like on a 450. That's way down the road, obviously, anyway. 
Yeah. No, it's, I like that. It's a good question. All right. You, I don't feel like you really contributed much, but maybe you have something to say on this one. Uh, D Star 2 1 said, Will we ever see the sport go back to how it was in the 80s and 90s where you don't buy rides? Nah. Nah. The thing is, I, if we're talking about GPs, I don't think this is as big a problem as people think it is. Um, no, I, I think there's there's definitely rides. I, I know for a fact there's rides out there which are not yeah. for rides and stuff like that. There's still, you know, just because they love motocross, very rich people are willing to, you know, start a motocross team because that's what they want to do. That's where, what they want to spend their money on. Um. I think there's always going to be places for, for people, but it, it's, it's, it just comes down to budgets. If, if you want to, you know, if you, if you want to be the best, you need more money. Like, if you look at the factory teams, no one's buying rides there. No. That's, that's... And on the satellite teams, how can you, A, you can't blame them, and B, it's no satellite team is predominantly built off of that. There no. might be the odd guy, but... And also, I would argue that this will only become more important in 2021 once we come out of the corona. Situation. Yeah, I think actually, I think um, you know, I'm not just saying that the the, the you know the person who sent the question, and I think that there is a you know when you talk to people you know about motocross and GPS in in America and stuff like that or whatever. That people, have, I do think people have a skewed vision about it. it. Is all about money and stuff like that, and I, I, I understand where they're coming from. But I think once you start to dig a bit deeper and you and you you peel the layers back, yeah, I don't think it is, and especially from where I was thrown in the last couple of years on on that side because of sponsorship and stuff, I got to see that, and I think there there are plenty of opportunities there for people with the ability. Yeah, like. Okay, if you're talking about a domestic level, that does go on more so, but then that's even more understandable because it's the domestic level. There isn't, um, what would you say? There isn't, well, there's not as much money floating around for one, A, for people to run a team without that input or vice versa, people to get a ride without that input. If, if, you're, um, talking about, if you're talking about the UK industry, then I don't think it's as deep as it was. So. The actual people who would be paying for rights. Wait, yeah, but what do you mean deep? That doesn't that word doesn't work. Okay, deep has in the amount of riders in the UK riding at that level now. It's not oh, deep. Oh, so you it mean was. you mean that there's people paying for rides, but otherwise there aren't enough riders to take those rides off of talent alone. Yeah, uh, there's if if I like it's that age old thing of like oh you. You know, you've got to be, you know, fastest 40 on the line. And, you know, I, I was a big believer in the fastest 40, but there's generally not enough riders out there to make up a fastest. You can only see from the UK championship that 10 years ago, um, you had a reserve list of, of 10 people. Now, pretty much, I'm pretty sure I could throw my leg over a bike and train for six months and, and possibly, you know, pick up points. It's that bad. Maybe not that bad. But no, you are quite awful. But but what I'm what I'm saying is is that going back to when you know 10, 15 years ago, the depth of the fields were huge. So that's why you did have qualifying and everything else. Like there was 
50, 60. You're, you, you're talking about Britain, just to clarify. Yeah, I'm talking about Britain. I don't know if this is relevant to, to what I No, because the question wasn't about qualifying. No, no. We're, we're talking about um, people buying rights. Yeah. Yeah. And, and what I'm saying is that I'm, I'm, at MXGP, I think there's still 80% of the rides are there for people with ability. Yeah, I, that's what that's where I stop. I think if you look, everyone who's got the talent to warrant a ride in MXGP, actually, maybe not. Uh... I, I tell, put it this way, right? As a team, as a team, if there's a person who's has the ability to go top twenty, twenty five, then a team's not likely to to you know want to. They're not going to be buying a ride if you're competing for the top twenty, twenty five. From from a team's perspective, you're you're not putting money in. If you're putting money in, it's because you're trying to get into that top twenty twenty five and get better machinery. And another way of looking at it is the actual cost. It's cheaper sometimes to pay a team than it is to actually work out and do it all yourself. So there's two right. there's two different scenarios there. I think I would just sum it up as I don't think it's as big a problem as everyone says. It. No, no, I, I think it has. I think, like you say, the the more you get to understand it the more you, you you dig deep down i think there's a very skewed you know vision of 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 that at the moment and i think i think it's definitely different and i think the whole with the uk thing i don't know if it's the same in 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 netherlands or or belgium or france or whatever but the depth in the uk is is not what it was um 10 15 years ago uh jay maud mx4 said do you know when the mxgp games coming out and I put this in because I did actually do some research, believe it or not. No, I do. You know, I didn't even know there was a new one coming out. There's a new one every year now. Oh, what? Okay. Well, I guess we've seen the photos being taken of Alcon's So Yeah, okay. you know, like, you know how, like, other sport, well, basically every other sport, like F1, NBA, NFL, football, all has, like, NFL 19, NFL 20, NFL 21. Kind of makes sense, yeah, because the game goes. MXGP yeah. is now on that program. Last year's game was MXGP 2019, so there's now an MXGP 2020 set. Oh, but I, I put, I like how vast news to you, but um, yeah. I put this in because I was, I was interested in this because I figured, seeing as it is typically a late August release, um, I would have thought that it would have been delayed, but I didn't really hear that from the people I spoke to. So I guess it makes no difference to them. If it, as long as they've got all the images and everything else, all they've got. No, but typically they are still shooting images at rounds four and five. So I can't imagine they've got everything. I guess not. But they could always, you could always do an update, can you, to the game? Yeah. Um, but yeah. You've got, you've got to think most game, gaming companies at the moment is probably the, probably the best time to sell a game whilst everyone's at home. Well, yeah, but this is the kind of not that is it they can't fuck around because they've actually got real life riders with real life sponsors who they have to do correctly otherwise who knows what happens i tell you what would be a good interview is to find out um because they've been bought by the guys behind atv haven't they mx versus atv yeah something like that yeah it'd be, it'd be good, yeah it'd be good to know what the influence is from that company and whether the game is changing whether they're using the same engine that type of stuff as a journalist i i actually think you should probably get onto that well, you say as a journalist, but we're not a games magazine. Well, no, but it's motocross and it's a. I'll games probably I'll probably prioritise talking Jesus to Covington and people like that first. I, I didn't. Sorry, is that not in your job description? No, you'll have to pay me a bit more for that. What a cock! 
Okay. Um, Next Dive MX on Twitter said, if the Microsoft Nations does go ahead, what are the chances that we don't see a Team USA at the event this year? Um, I say, I say high. I say ninety six percent. I, do you know what? I agree. However, how hard is it to just send free people a very, very low? Think about this way, right? If they, uh, I'll stop you. I'll stop you there. I'll stop you there. There's probably going to be a national on that weekend. Okay. Well, if because. I- They've, they've now said that the Nationals will finish on October the 3rd, which is the week after the Nations, so logic would dictate that the penultimate round will run on that weekend. Yeah, well, I think there's... And if it doesn't, it will be one weekend off between two rounds, and what are the chances of a team relocating to Europe for that weekend? Well, the other... The other... They could always send Covington, Mitchell Harrison, and... Someone else, but that's what I mean. Why don't they do that? It keeps expectations low, and if they don't get, a but that isn't what then... Team USA. That that I I would say that that still isn't Team USA turning up. Well, I know it's not. It's that's like that's no in that's no different to Team USA just not sending a team at all. Yeah, like yeah, you can't it's... just stick a label on something and call it Team USA, and then we're all going to get excited. Well, no, no, but it's still them competing and not missing one. So I'm just looking at the practicalities here and not the... Yeah, but they're not concerned about their consist- their streak of events they've showed up for. No, but I think they're probably concerned that they're not making, you know, an, an appearance as a country. Uh, I would say that isn't the case based on some of the comments in recent years. Yeah. Well, you, you have to remember that the, the Nations is the Olympics of motocross. So... Everybody wants to be an you know an Olympic champion or compete in the Olympics. I mean that's you know, you know that's what you reach for. So I I can't imagine that America would not want to you know even if it's a a freaking D team or an E team or whatever. I I would have thought as a nation they'd probably you know want to compete. Depending, but are you missing the point of Tomac not turning up the last couple of years and all stuff like that? That's that, that's clearly gone a bit. I think. Maybe, but I think that is I think that is higher powers, not just rider. I think that is No, um, no, 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 no. Tomac is Tomac obviously doesn't want to do the nations. Yeah, but then looking at Kawasaki about them not wanting to send the bikes and stuff like that, that is coming down to budgets. That's not coming down to anything else. That that's that's monetary. Wait, when did Kawasaki never said it was that they don't want to send the bike? Last year Kawasaki said it was because of AC moving up to the four fifties and I can't remember what the reason was for Tomac, but but that seems more of I feel like you're looking at this from a very you're looking at this from a very everything's great and like oh you're I feel like you're looking at this in your little chocolate house with like everything in a perfect world kind of thing. I don't think so. I I, I read some stuff on Stanton today and in, in, in basically him saying it was the highest honor um to be in How long ago was that? In Carmichael Carmichael said that in 2005 but that that is lost a little bit with some of team of some American riders at the moment. That's kind of the debate across the world that they need to get that back a little bit. Well, because they say when when America came back to the nations in '05, Carmichael was a big part of that. Yeah, and the fact that he took it so seriously was why it kind of Team USA what was what it was or is what it is now. Because without Carmichael, I seriously wonder what would have happened. 
Okay, so I do generally think he played a massive role. So you, you know, from what I've read about, you know, I don't know the guy, but from what I've read about Jeff Stanton is that he, in his era of riders of of Johnson, Stanton, um, Lachine, they looked up to like Brad Lackey and people like that, and and Jeremy McGrath looked up to people like Stanton, you know, and and, and again, generations inspired other generations. So at some point, some point in America. There was uh, some. How is this relevant? Between um, this next generation of riders, not looking up to those riders like Carmichael and saying the nations is is you know is super freaking important for us. But anyway, that uh, we can. Do you want us to? Do you want them to send Jeff Stanton to Arno? Um, I'd be quite. Is that what you're getting at? No, I'd be quite. Can you imagine Johnson's? Oh, oh, what a nations that would be. No, I'm just saying that um, it can't be hard to find three people that want to represent your country. No, it's not hard, but what I'm... Well, it is when there's nationals running either side of the weekend. Okay. Or um, on the weekend. Okay, and what about the people who haven't got a chance of finishing for the title? Oh, nationals? we had this discussion last week. Oh, uh, okay. Um, uh, what's an example? Okay, Tomac's going for the outdoor championship, but Cincerello's eighth. Uh, okay, attention, Monster Energy Kawasaki. Uh, we're going to split the team in two. You lot are going to France, and you lot are going to Unadilla or wherever the races are going to be. Yeah, this is where I'm at. Again, you're looking at this from such a, like, perfect scenario in your little chocolate house where everything's fine and dandy. Yeah, but uh, some, sometimes you have to be practical, and we're in, um, in you know, we're in... I keep hate. I hate this word, but we're in unprecedented times. This yeah, but the, the the nationals are much more important to every American team and rider well, as they should be. Well, we've already discussed this. You know, at the start of the show, the nations might not be able to happen for Australia and um, USA because there might not be any flights. But I, I, feel, I don't know what you're trying to say. But you're actually, I, I might have a my brain might explode. Okay, let's move on to the next question. I, I don't know what you're. I, I don't I don't know what you're trying to I want to understand. Help me understand. Right. So there's two, there's two points to this question. The first because so you basically you think that that someone who's eighth in the points in America during the nationals would just would be like, ah, fuck it, I'll go to Europe for the weekend. Yeah, because right, two things. Okay, right, two okay, things. okay. No, wait, wait, wait. I've got a point first. Yeah. Because otherwise this this may change your point. Okay. So you you say that if someone's eighth in the points in America, they'll go. You know what? Fuck it. I'm going to earn a. True. They should do. True. Yeah. Okay. When they select the team, a month, two months. It normally is two months beforehand. How are they going to know that? Well, they're not. They're going to have to change the way they're doing things because, like I just mentioned, it's different. It's they've never had to run a national over. They're usually done by August. So people change with decisions. Well, yeah, but there's nothing, but, and that's and that's why the decision will probably be made that you, Team USA, cannot send a team. Well, you've just answered the question, then. But well, I, no, I was... I, in my mind, I just cannot see how it will happen because of these factors. Because, if the nationals finish the weekend beforehand, I'll tell you why. Because if 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 you really want to do something, you always find a way. So if Team USA want to be there. You're you're going very dad on the motocross community, aren't you? No, I'm just saying that this. You're not. That's just life, isn't it? If you really want to do something, 
you will find a way. If I, if I was the person in charge of American motocross for the nations or whatever, then it would be, okay, we're not going to make a decision on who's going to be going to nations two, until two weeks before. And that's based on uh, who would be willing to miss the next national to ride for their country. And it would be about, okay, if it's, say, Cincerello, eight thinner points or whatever, an example, can we talk to Factory Kawasaki, who are based in France anyway? Can we get a bike in a river? Who are based in France anyway? Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, no, 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 no. I just, I'd like to make this very clear to everyone talking. These views are James's, and I am not a part of this. Okay, so... Let's just say you, you get access to um, Kawasaki France for bikes and stuff like that. You can ship your suspension and everything else over. You can take a, 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 two mechanics with you or whatever. But I don't, all I'm saying, if there's a will, there's a way. If they really want to do it, they will find a way. It's that simple. I can't be a part of this. I, and I'm sure. And, and that's the difference between my generation and your generation. Oh God! Oh no! It is. Oh, no. It is. I, I I've been brought up to to literally whatever barrier is put in front of you, you find a way to navigate around. But this isn't this isn't a one person thing. This isn't a one man. This is a a massive machine of an effort with cogs in many different places. I don't like. But it's. I I don't right, I don't right. I'm kind of talking as if I'm kind of talking as if Team USA aren't sending a team and we don't know what's going to happen. But all of the facts, the fact that the nationals finish a weekend after, and taking previous years into account, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, okay, so does this mean that? Uh, so so for example, that that's happening. But if there's a British Championship clashing with the nations, oh, this is ridiculous now. No, it's not. But are you are you really okay? Again, this is James' stance, not mine. Are you really going to sit there and put the British Championship on the same level as Luke Soil Pro Motocross? In this case, no. in this scenario. No, of course I'm not. But that's what you're doing, because you're going to say about a British team who's got support from Kawasaki UK or whoever versus a factory team in America with X amount of employees, X amount of sponsor dollars on the line, all of this stuff. Or if you're talking about a British team, okay. So, so let's... I really, I really want us to move on because you're, I, I feel like you're destroying MXY's credibility. Nothing like that. Listen, you're talking about factory teams. What about people who don't run in factory teams? Like, I don't know. You're the motocross journalist. Oh, I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to wonder where you're going with this. Let's move on anyway because we're gonna have an argument. No. I... Those, I'm Next sorry. Question. To Next question. You've held, you've held on to your credibility. I know fuck all. That's I don't know if I have. I've tried, I've tried, on, I've tried my hardest. Hold on. Um, Chris United 93 yeah. said, What is the rivalry you enjoyed the most in MXGP or AMA and your most overhyped and underrated, respectively? Mm. Um. This is, inter this is interesting because seeing as you like to talk about our generations and how you used to walk to school uphill both ways. Um, we've, we're going to have very different answers here because obviously a lot of the memories will come from like growing up and that happened for us at different times because you're 72 and I'm 25. Yeah, so I think for me it was the... Uh, I think it is... Too, uh, I don't know. I, c I can look at this from two angles because 
86 to 92, when you've got um, Stanton, Carmichael, Lachine, Jean-Michael Bell coming on to... Um, sorry, Michael? Jean-Michel Bell, sorry. Um, you've got... You've got You've got that generation of riders competing in AMA Supercross and Motocross. Then you've got, on the other side, you've got Gabor's, Job, Thorpe, Mal Herb, these amazing riders in Motocross. So you've got two different sides of the pond with amazing racing going on and just everybody battling and, uh, you know, every, different winners, everything. And then you've got this new generation of... Uh, for, for, it's a real shame about the, the, the coronavirus this year for, for in the, the GP series because I think the Crowley Prado, Herlins, Geyser, you know, that I think the GP this year, the, G, the GP season this year was going to be some of the best battles we've ever seen. So, but I would say, um, I don't know, what one race, oh, I can't really say races, but I would say, uh, I would say I've really enjoyed the last few seasons watching people like, it's a shame about injuries, but Crowley, um, Geyser and Herlins. What about you? You see, I wouldn't class that as a rivalry. Okay. Because I don't, there's not trash talk there and there's not hatred there. And like the Crowley and Herlins battle was an, in, in 2018 was a really good on-track battle, but there wasn't the rivalry in the sense of like, you know what I'm trying to say. Like, growing up for me, the first thing that I kind of got put into was the Carmichael, Reed, and eventually Stewart um, era. Yeah. Yeah. So that was really good for me. 2006 Supercross was insane. Yeah. Like, if, it, if, if you need something to do, find Bar to Bar 2006 on YouTube. I love that. That season was ridiculous. Yeah. Um, I've got that on DVD. I think Carmichael and Reed were tied going into the last round and Stuart was five points back. They were definitely all five points apart, but either way, like, that's how good it was. So the Carm and obviously that eventually just turned into a Reed-Stuart rivalry, which in 2009 especially was uh, probably at its most heated. Um, so that was a big one for me. 2012, Herlins and Tommy, that was... I was... I really got into that. Ah, oh, the Hurlings oh, yeah. Tommy, that was phenomenal. Love that, yeah. Like that, that. And that was a rivalry because there was trash talk and there were takeouts. And like, yeah. And it was, a, it was a rivalry on and off the track. Yeah. Like there was um, Stuart and Reed with the helmet grabbing and all that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, I guess, guess they would be mine. Yeah. No, I, I, yeah, I, I totally agree. Like, I would, I, I would kind of say like, I don't know. In a way, I would say like Everts. This isn't a rivalry, but I'd say Everts versus MX One was kind of something I like. In a like, I always had this thing growing up where I would cheer for the person who wasn't. I just hated seeing the same winner every week, and I so I always cheered for someone else. Like that was all I really cared about. I just so I always cheered against Everts because I was like, oh my god, can someone else win? Yeah, uh, no, I completely get that. You, you, and you're always. I'm, I'm kind of always rooting for the underdog anyway. So in my mind, I was always watching the 2004, 2005, 2006 seasons, like just treating it as the rivalry of Everts versus MX1. Yeah. Like everyone. 
because I was like, oh, like everyone's got to take this guy down, for God's sake. Yeah, I think um, I think that's how people got with um, when Caroli was was very dominant as well. Oh yeah, those the two thousand well two two thousand and ten through two thousand and fourteen was not very entertaining. Thanks to Caroli, who had it all his own way, apart from twenty twelve Sweden. But twenty twelve Sweden was just a blip on the radar, and it turns out it was a massive thing at the time, but it ended up being nothing. One, one of the things, uh, what, t- what took me back when you were talking about bar to bar, and I think it was from about, I might be wrong, and I, I should probably research this before saying it, but I think from about 99 to about 2006, I think Channel 5 used to show all the Supercross races live um, the early hours of the morning. So, were they live? I thought they were delayed, but early hours of the morning. I don't know. I'm pretty sure they... No, I'm pretty sure, no, I'm pretty sure they, were dela- they were like Thursday at 5 a.m. No, I don't know. No, I can remember watching them at the weekends. I'm pretty sure I did. Because... I, no, I swear they, I swear they weren't live. Because I watched them as well, and they definitely uh, weren't live. Yeah, I, I, I might be wrong. That's why I said I'd rather have done some research before saying it. But I can remember it was the best thing that ever happened to Channel Five. It's just like that was just so cool back in the day, kind of watching that. And that's really how because I can remember like you know David Villeman as well um, when he was. Uh, when he went over for the first time, Sorby, and it, it was just good to watch those rivalries, especially, I think, um, and it's interesting, uh, I think it was the 91 season of Supercross, I think it was 91, when um, uh, Bell beat Stanton. So that, that, that's another, like, you know, good rivalry as well between, um, obviously, the young French guy going over and beating Stanton, who was at the, you know, won two titles and was at the top of his game. Everett's Pichon was good. Like, do you remember South Africa 2004? No. When Everett's threw his goggles at Pichon? No, I don't remember that. I can't remember what actually led to it. Pichon must have taken Everett's out or something, or bumped him. What was I doing in 2004? And then Everett's, when Pichon came around the next lap, Everett's was stood on the outside of a turn and threw his goggles at him. As Pichon went round the turn. I was 29 in 2004, so I was probably drunk quite a lot. So when I was just talking about Sweden 2012, I'm guessing you don't know what I was talking about. Yeah, I was following G- yeah, GP's closely in 2012. Yeah, but you don't... Do you want me to... Well, I guess I should have explained what I was talking about with Sweden 2012. Yes, please. You just said you knew what I was talking about. I, to be honest, I can't... I, I don't listen to you half the time, so go over what it was again. <laughs> um... No, I, what we were talking about with the Caroli dominance from 2010, I won't include 2009 because he was a rookie. I feel like it was still like, who knows kind of thing. But from tw- 2010 to 2014, it was the Caroli show, no doubt. And what happened, and, in, um, what happened in Sweden? Well, he built up a massive lead. Yeah. And then he had a double DNF in Sweden. Ah, yeah. one, one, one of the motors, he ran into a mud pile that had been scraped off and put onto the side of the track. Yeah. And the other one, his chain came off or something? I can't remember. So we had a double DNF and DeSalle went 1-1, took the red plate, and suddenly everyone was like, oh, here we go. Like, I remember I was, at, I was racing on that day, and I remember following um, what was going on on my phone, and I was absolutely buzzing because I was like, here we go. We've got a, we've got a race on our hands for a title. This is going to be good now. 2012, you were racing? Yeah. Really? And then, why is that really? Oh, I can't remember. I thought you were racing <laughs> way before that. Well, I didn't know you at that point. 
What were you doing in Mid Sussex? Yep, I was at Rusper. I remember it clear as day. I could even tell you where I was parked because that's how much this shake up in the MX MXGP no MX one at that point. Okay. Uh, championship like had an impact on me. Yeah. So I was like, here we go. We've got a battle on our hands now. And um, yeah, Karoli then went on to win the final 10, 12, 14 motos in a row. And that was that. That's pretty cool, though. He sucked everybody in and then was like, fuck okay. it. Like, bang, 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 that, bang. Those, like, it's actually, in, we should really appreciate the parity we have in MX. Well, I guess. Do you know what? No, it is. Lewis, do you know what? Pretty good. That would be a great article. What? To talk about that that race and get Caroli's, you know, thoughts, what was going through his head and in, in DeSalle. I'd imagine his thoughts that were going through his head were fucking hell. Yeah, but also DeSalle thinking like, <laughs> I'm, I'm there, I can I can capitalise on this and then not expecting Caroli to, to literally bounce back from that with 10. That's just true. If I was a journalist, um, these are the stories I'd be trying to find. Okay. Uh, next saying. question? Just saying. Yeah, next question. Uh... Matt Jones said, will we see Suzuki back in MXGP? If not, how many more years of production at production of bikes? I don't think Suzuki are coming back. We, we kind of spoke about this, I don't know, 10 shows ago, 12 shows ago. Yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't think it's happening now. Like, look, at, look at the situation. Yeah, I think, I think with coronavirus and everything else, I, think, I don't think they'll be back as a factory. I think maybe if somebody wants to bankroll it and get supply... Strybos could potentially be the person who keeps Suzuki in the paddock. Yeah. If if ever you, you've got to hedge your bets, if there's gonna be anybody who's gonna do that, it's gonna be Kevin, isn't it? Yeah, like if he keeps his team going that he's got at the moment once he's retired, then but he I would imagine he would stick with Suzuki and then maybe he does so well that Suzuki catches Suzuki's interest so much that they're like, well this is our path back in. Yeah, maybe and because it's an easy path as well. Yeah. But I don't know. There's not one positive sign, is there? Mm. There's nothing. There's nothing you can really grip to to go. Well, there is this, so maybe like, yeah, I don't know. Um, little Chris Cam said, "I'm finding it hard to see any racing before the MXON." Well, that's a dull point to start Please, your question on. Chris, don't do this to Lewis. If that's the case, what are the chances of it actually going ahead and a good number of countries participating, given what's happened, and some countries having travel restrictions and closing borders? Yeah, I can, I can, I can see the nations taking um, a similar step to what um, Feld's going to do by basically saying, look, we're going to have possibly 40 seeded countries, and that's it. Or, or 30 seeded countries. Um, well, I'd imagine that you would have that anyway because lower down the field, I'd imagine your Israels and countries like that wouldn't send a team just because of the hassle of it. And yeah, all of so that. I, I, I think like I think either the FIM or something will come out and say because of what's going on, we're going to limit this to to thirty countries. In my opinion, but a good number of countries participate in it will be run. It will be decided whether it goes ahead like a GP. Like if they can't, if they can only get. 25% of the ride, good riders there, then they won't, like, it can't go ahead. That's, like, it won't be run with, like, uh, God, I'm trying to think of it, like, Finland on the podium, because that's just one of the countries that managed to show up. Like, I, it would be interesting to understand what decisions um, have to be made in order to, to, to make it happen. You know, we don't have access to that 
those decisions or or the data which provide those decisions. But the reality is, though, if the FFM think they can run an international event on September the first, then everything should be getting back to normal at that point. And the Tour de France is going to run in September, and there's people travelling from all over for that. So I don't see that. I don't see participation of the nations being that big of an issue, apart from Team USA, who have obviously got this little matter of the nationals going on. But yeah. who knows? Uh, yep. Final question. Jimmy Hyde said, could Team Australia win an MXON with Evans, Lawrence, and Ferris slash Waters? Oof. Well, you've got to think as well. Could it be Evans, Lawrence, and Lawrence? Yeah, I'd, I was going to say, I would actually take Ferris and Waters out of that conversation. Yeah. And put, or Evans, uh, Jet Lawrence, and Jed Beaton on a 450. Yeah. They're, um, we they won't. They would never win it on. They would never win it by getting a low score like fourteen, but they could definitely win it by just being consistent and there in every moto, and then you know it all working out in the end. The, the interesting thing is, you've got to think with the riders they've got at the moment. Over the next five or six years, they have to be in with a good chance of winning a nation. Yeah. No. Yeah. Hundred percent there, and I'd imagine I would be shocked if in the next five years they're not on a podium at least yeah, once definitely definitely you've got to think with them um... but then again australia seems to be a little bit cursed when it comes to the nation so <laughs> did speaking of curses what were you cursed with the other day which made me laugh oh i know we probably can't say that on air um no moving on <laughs> yeah that was that that was the excellent last well it's been a pleasure as always um did you enjoy this week's show? Yeah, I actually feel like I've got a lot more to say, but I guess we'll just roll it over to next I week. I guess we should. I think it's, um, it's a short but sweet show. Well, that, I think we've dragged this on for quite long. Well, it's probably... Considering last, last week was our first show back, so we had a lot to talk about with schedules and whatnot, and that was an hour and a half, and this has been an hour and a half, and I don't really know what we've spoken about. I think it's been an hour and a half. I think we had 20 minutes of chatting. Yeah, it has. That's a good point. Yeah, I forgot about yeah. that. Um, oh. And we spent the other part of that actually just... Uh, arguing so uh, yeah. there we go i do apologize to anybody who uh could be uh what was the word outraged by lewis's Offended? um disrespect to myself um he's like that i i would like to say that i am trying to get better so i'm sorry it's just like having a child like a teenage improve. child who has tantrums i'm used to it i've got three daughters and Lewis is like my fourth illegitimate uh, son, so I, I'm used to it. I'm used to these, you know, the just typical um, behavior. So there we go. So don't, don't, please don't hate Lewis. Um, he he doesn't he doesn't mean it. Do, do you? Do you? Okay. Are we still? Are we still friends? Were we okay. ever? Are we just still work colleagues. We're barely that. Okay. All right, then. Um, All same right. time next week? Same time okay. next week. Well, um, well, maybe a bit earlier, considering this isn't going out till okay. Thursday. Huge thanks to Seven, Talon, Yoko, Prox, Liat, Hinson, KYB, and Even Strokes. Without those guys, like I always say, we wouldn't be doing this. And th- this is one of the reasons why we're able, we are able to do it. Uh, if you get, you get a chance, follow them on social media, send them a message, send some support, buy some products. Um, even better, go on to evenstrokes.com and buy some products. That really helps us. 
If you want to know how to help MX Vice during the coronavirus crisis and how we manage to keep going as a business, uh, it's simple. Uh, a t-shirt is 18 pounds on even strokes. Uh, MX Manager is 12 pounds. We're still giving away three bikes this year. Um, and if you can't afford that, then uh, buy us a coffee, which is three quid. So any of those, or just liking, sharing, and interacting, engaging with us. That's how you help MX Vice go forward. I hope you enjoy this. Um, I do apologize about Lewis again, but it is what it is. Aren't you, Lewis? You are what you are. I'm, I'm, get, I'm trying to get better. No, I'm trying it's to okay. get better. It's okay. Brilliant. Thanks to Rob from Jukebox Beats, and we'll see you again next week. You are listening to the MX Vice Show. Welcome back to the MX Vice Show. We have a, a special guest this week. It was a uh, few issues trying to get the technology sorted, but we managed to get there in the end. And uh, I believe it's well worth it. The, the quality, unfortunately, is not up to um, our usual standard. However, the quality of guest is absolutely fantastic. So as you know, this upcoming week, there's a, a show that's going to be on called Moto Club, featuring some absolute legends of the sport, something which uh, I cannot wait to watch. There's going to be head-to-head. There's going to be a campfire talk. And it's put together by none other than Jeff Stanton, um, you know, a rider which I looked, looked up to is, is when I was coming through um, schoolboys, loved watching him race. And uh, it was an absolute pleasure to, to, to talk to him um, and talk about how he's managed to raise hundreds of thousands of pounds for motocross uh, charities and motocross in general. It's well worth uh, the listen. Also, what's interesting is I put a question to him about 90s motocross versus the current era, um, which is in relation to Lewis and myself having an argument on the podcast show this week. So uh, persevere with the sound. I really hope you like the content and we'll see you next week. So I wanted to talk to you, um, obviously, about uh, the upcoming Moto Fight Club. How the first question that someone's actually uh, interested in is how did this come about? Well, it came about a buddy of mine, uh, and, and you probably heard of him, Rob Vitus. You know, he does a yep. bunch of announcing back here. Rob called me last year. He says, "Gosh, Jeff, I got this. I get this fight TV that wants to put on events, and so he says we need to put on some events, film it, film." They're just they're starving for entertainment. And so I just kind of blew it off, you know, if life's busy. And so he keeps bringing it up, bringing it up, bringing it up. And he brings it up about, oh, four weeks ago. He says, yeah, everybody's starving for entertainment. There's no racing going on. Everybody's bored with this coronavirus. We, let's do something. Let's do something. That's how it all started. Ah, cool. So okay. He, he, he comes to me and he says, hey. You put on a great event. I put on a great event at the Motocross the Nations. I did a huge fundraiser for Road to Recovery there. He says, you're a good talker. Let's, let's start calling guys. And so I start calling guys and explaining what we kind of want to do here. And everybody's like, this is a great idea. Let's do it. So that's how it started. So for the guys in um, Europe who are listening to this, they, uh, you know, there was a massive contingent from Europe that went to the Motocross the Nations. But they're probably yeah. unaware that you raised over a hundred thousand dollars for um, yeah. road to recovery. And and tell us yeah. a little bit about that event. What actually was that event about? Because this is 
as they say, not your first rodeo. Right. So that <laughs> event, um, Amy Ritchie come to me and said, um, let's do something cool at Redbud. You know, let's do um, opening ceremonies. You know, let's get uh, let's get a bunch of past champions, past motocross the nation's champions together, and let's do a parade lap. And she said again, "You tell the context. Can you call these people?" And so I thought about it for a while. And I'm like, "Well, if I'm going to call all these guys and ask them to fly to to the motocross of nations, spend their money to fly there," I said, "I'm going to take advantage of 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 those guys." I said, "I'm if I'm going to do that, I'm going to put together a fundraiser and raise, try to raise a bunch of money for Road to Recovery, which I'm sure most people know what Road to Recovery is. It's an organization we have we have here for riders. And so I just started asking guys, and they're like, "Absolutely, that sounds great." And so it was it was it was it was I killed two birds with one stone. I, I raised a bunch of money. And I made 400 people just as excited as can be to, to do a banquet and a dinner and listen, listen to us the stories for two or three hours um, at that event. It was just, it was a lot of work, but it was super, super cool to have uh, Jeff Ward and Rick Johnson on stage talking about the motocross the nation's events that they were at and uh you know on down the line it was it was a it was a cool event one of the best events ever that's cool is it is it kind of after after doing uh, that event is that something you'd like to do again in the future or do you kind of look back on that and just think of the stress the hassle or does it make it all worth it when you were, <laughs> it, was, it, it, was, worth it, it was worth it yeah it was, we raised a bunch of money for a great cause but uh, you can only tap into those guys so many times, you know. You can only go to that yeah. well so many times. You know, you know how that works. Because yeah, listen, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't fly anybody in. I didn't pay for anybody's hotels. Everybody did it on, on their own. See, if I would have had to fly guys in and pay for their hotels and done all that, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have raised any money, you know, zero. No. And so everybody, all the riders, you know, they were coming to the motocross the nation. So it was just one of those things that. Just 
just rap session. We're going to talk about past championships and, and riders' rivalries and uh, going to be cooking burgers over the fire. Just, just all going to be raw, cool stories, cool footage on Monday night. And uh, that'll get everybody's juices going to uh, do the pay-per-view on Tuesday when we uh, actually throw down and do some serious racing. That's very cool. So with regarding the racing, um, it sounds like it's going to be head-to-head races. But yep. what's, the, what's the circuit going to look like? I mean, not the location, but actually, is the circuit going to be kind of a, a national caliber track? It's going to be, well, we, we, it's, it's at a private, I can, just, I can tell you for sure, it's at a private piece of property. It's not at any track you would have ever seen. And yeah. so the, tra- the lap time is going to be about a minute and a half long. So it's a little bit outdoorsy with a fair amount of jumps in it. So it'll, wow. it'll still have some action. And uh, we're, we're matching up riders two by two for the whole social distancing thing. Uh, so like Bradshaw and I are going to battle. We're going to battle three times. <laughs> best, best, best of two moves on, loser goes home. So um, that, that's how that's how it's going to work. So we got we got Pastrana and Wyndham paired up. They're going to do yep. uh, a, a two lap battle, best of three. Bradshaw and myself, um, Alessi Villapoto, um, Tedesco, Weimer, Sipes, Glover, and uh, it, yeah, it's just going to be super cool. It's going to be uh, entertaining. It's going to be exciting. And so uh, as you move on, it will eventually have a, a three-rider main event, five, five to make 10 laps, depending on how much time we have. That's very cool. So this is, uh, this is going to be an interesting concept because I think it's going to open up to um, a whole new audience working with somebody like Fight TV. Oh, for sure. For sure. Um, and, and at first everybody's like, oh, this isn't going to work. And, and as I told you, as this week has progressed, progressed in the United States, everybody wants to be a part of it. All, all the industry people, TV or uh, magazine people, they're all, how do we, how do we be a part? What can we do? What can we do? This is, this is, this is, this is great. This is great. So we didn't, we didn't know how it was going to turn out and we still don't know how it's going to turn out. You know, how many, how many pay-per-views are going to happen, but. We're still doing great things. We're doing a lot of money. Um, so we are doing uh, four auctions after the after the event. Um, uh, it, one is for goggles for docs. Uh, Mr. Hart has a, uh, an organization where he's getting goggles to nurses. And uh, so we're going to auction off all 10 sets of goggles as one, as one auction. And we're doing all 10 helmets as one auction. And all 10 jerseys is another auction. The helmets are all going to Road to Recovery. Whatever those 10 helmets bring, if it's 5,000, 10,000, 15,000, 2,000, whatever, that's going 100% to Road to Recovery. And then Brock Glover's son has cystic fibrosis, and uh, we're, we're donating all the money that, that them jerseys' uh, uh, re- revenue is going to cystic fibrosis. That's absolutely fantastic. That's really, really cool. Um, one question I was interested in asking you, um, obviously this is a new concept and you obviously approached quite a few different riders. Was there one rider you had your eye on but couldn't make it this time? Yeah, there was there was five or six of them. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, <that's pretty> <laughs> okay. So we, we ask, I mean, we ask, I mean, we ask everybody. We ask Ricky and Bubba and Jeremy just, you know, get recovering from knee surgery. Jeff Emmings got a project going on that, 
he uh, wasn't able to make it. And so um, Ricky was like, well, we're going to start the Supercross back up. And so I'm going to be traveling a couple of days after that. So, you know, they, they, they had, you know, legit reasons why they, you know, couldn't be a part of it. But uh, sure. um, we hope that this will be successful. And then there's nothing to say that we can't do this again in three months with all yeah. of, with with all those guys I just named and and match them up. You know, we're trying to match up guys rival rivalry years. So there's you know, so there's some competitive rivalry and competition there. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So it's, no, it's, it's it's an interesting concept, and I think it's going to be one that people are really going to tap into, especially listening to you guys. I mean. You're a six-time champion, and, and the titles that are, are literally going to be around that campfire is going to be very exciting for the audience. For sure, that's I'm I'm as excited for the people to hear the campfire stories. You know, Damon and I talking about 1991-92 season, and uh, you know, Alessi talking about his his whole career. I mean, I have I have as many questions for a guy like Filippoto and Alessi. You know that I've been thinking about that, you know, that I, I wonder what they were thinking through their career. And so just, uh, and then, uh, uh, you know, we've been doing video around, around the farm, like, you know, what's everybody doing now? You know, I want to know what Damon Bradshaw does, you know, and in, in his everyday life. And so those kind of stories, um, are going to be super cool for the audience to see. And then, uh, and then go, you know, go do some serious riding. And uh, I've got a couple of questions which I was hoping that you could answer, and just uh, um, because I'm inquisitive. So I, I kind of, in, when I was around about sort of 14, 15, uh, you were winning um, back-to-back titles. It, that the everybody tries to compare um, back then to, to the, the sport nowadays. You know, two strokes, four strokes, and uh, you know, tracks were different, things were different. Do you look at the riders today and do you, do you kind of look at it and think if you could be in two eras, would it be doing what you've done or, or would, it, would it be now? Do you, do you respect those guys? And, and what, what do you think about the racing now compared to, to how it was in the, the 80s and, and 90s? Well, um, I, I, I am amazed. First of all, I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm completely amazed at what these kids do on bikes now. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to do what they do on bikes, and they are so super talented. And I don't just care. I don't. I'm not even just motorcycles. Kids, kids on skateboards, kids on bicycles, they are unbelievable. It's like kids don't have any fear now. And so, the athleticism of the, of of the, all these young riders coming up, and even even the Europe, European riders. I mean, uh, let's let's look at hurlings. You know, both both of your all of your champions from the last few years over there in the DBs, yeah. them guys are fast, they're fit, they're talented, and so um, comparing 1990 to now, I think I think the riders' levels are way above 1990. But with that said, the 1990s racing, in my opinion, was way better because some, some race, some supercrosses, where we had nine guys battling for the lead, you know. And so the racing, racing itself in the nineties was way better just because there were so many great battles from Jeff Ward to Johnny O'Mara to Rick Johnson, Damon Bradshaw, Bale, you know, the list goes on and on and on. 
Yeah. So the race, the racing itself was better. It gets a little bit boring when hurling, you know, runs away by 30 seconds or Tomek wins by, you know, 30 seconds to a minute here. That, 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 that gets, that gets old. That gets boring. <laughs> but so just to reiterate it, I feel that the kids are super talented. Um, and the bikes are obviously so much better, but the racing in the nineties, you will, will never replace that. No, we were very lucky to be in, uh, to be part of that golden yeah. era. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. But you obviously have kept, uh, you, once you retired, you stayed within the sport and then you even trained Justin Barsher at some point. Yes. Yes. So you, you've um, kind of got a valid handle on, on racing from back then to, uh, right the way up to, to today. So that's why I was very interested in, in, uh, your your perception of, of racing then and, and now yeah just like you know justin i consider him almost like a brother a great friend and uh a guy like that is so so talented on a motorcycle you know it's all he's ever done since he was a wee little kid and he's so talented on a motorcycle it's just amazing i you know when i when i was working with justin just the things that he did on a bike it's like how the heck you know so yeah, kids are super talented, and I had yeah, I had a great time uh, working with Justin. We never won any championships, but uh, um, it was it was super fun. Kind of brought out the kid in me, kid in me again. You know what I'm saying? But uh, yeah, yeah, I've been I've been I've been super fortunate. I worked with American Honda as a consultant for them for ten years after I retired. And my my kids got older. I was they were super athletic. I was missing their sporting events at home, and it was it was just time to slow down. So what does life look like for Jeff Stanton when he's not doing, uh, raising hundreds of thousands of pounds for charity? What's your day? Um, well, you know, we, we farm, um, four or 5,000 acres, um, in the farming industry. Michigan. So a lot of farming. Um, I own, I own a wedding venue. I took an old barn, uh, rehabbed it, restored it. And, uh, we do 50 events in this barn every year. They're almost every weekend. We have an wow. event in this barn, and so uh, farmer slash wedding coordinator. Um, I raise deer. I have a hundred head of white-tailed deer. I raise deer and uh, raise a family. So it's busy. It's all. It's all. It's all. It's all good. <laughs> you have your hands full. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> and, no, and, and why why did i start why did i start this project i'm thinking i'm thinking that to myself because i'm just getting ready to go out and bust out a couple of motos this morning at 52 years old those motos get <laughs> those motos get harder and harder <laughs> I, I but, but, yeah but it's fun it's just uh you know to keep your name in the industry and uh bring back some life to the world we're all starving for something right now. I don't, I'm not, you know, I'm not sure how bad it is. I think it's getting better over there, but, um, in Michigan, uh, we're, we're locked down and they're saying we're going to be locked down through the end of July now. And yeah. our just, I mean, it's our economy is just going to hit the tank if restaurants and bars and, you know, and, and nothing, nothing, if nothing opens up till the end of July here, we're, we're hating life. I mean, we're not even most likely not even going to see Redbud this year. First time yeah. ever. It's it's a real struggle over in, in, in Europe and the UK at the moment. So um, I think what you're doing is going to be, um, let's just say, uh, a breath of fresh air, you know, for everybody who's kind of in lockdown and, 
people who lost lives and, and you know going through such a difficult period. I think this is going to be just a nice reminder of, of what we're missing. Well, and that's what we want to do. We want a breath of fresh air. Uh, we want to raise some money. We want to donate some money and uh, just, uh, you know, just bring back some life. And, uh, yeah, to be able to possibly line up on the line with Travis Pastrana. I've never raced Travis Pastrana or Kevin Williams, so but I would love to do, you know, a two-lap match race with them. Yeah, they're going to kick my butt, but I'm still going to, I'm still, I'm still going to go in and rough them up in a turn or two, you know. And I'm yeah, surprised myself. I, I may surprise myself. I still ride quite a bit, and so, being that that it's a, a two lap battle instead of a 45 minute plus two lap battle, I, I think I think I'll be able to handle it all right. Cool. Well, uh, I for one cannot wait to see this. It's going to be a fantastic event. And uh, good luck. We're rooting for you, Jeff, to see how much money you can actually raise um, yeah. with this. If it can compare to Redbud, then that would be superb. Yeah, we're excited, and I, we appreciate you sp- spreading the word. And uh, we want to make it fun. Hey, anytime you got Travis Pastrana in in your program, you know it's going to be fun and entertaining. Anyway. Um, so, yeah, and it, it is, it is kind of weird, you know, Travis, if you – look at this social media he's like dude the only reason i'm doing it is because of the damon bradshaw jeff stanton battle and it's funny to me when he says that and i and i say the only reason i'm doing it is because pastrana and villapoto are doing it i've never done anything with them and so it's, it's funny just to see and hear the other side so they're like well the only reason we're doing it is because they're doing it is because they're doing it you know so you know the 30 year 25 30 year age difference in there and the excitement and the entertainment there it's going to be cool it'll be really fun yeah and from everybody in europe um we just really want to wish you um the best of luck and uh thank we, you. we're looking forward to this fantastic event thank you and like i said appreciate you spreading the word um yeah we'll make it fun and hopefully successful and then the second one, um, gosh, uh, uh, that that would be like the ultimate goal to have uh, uh, Bubba Stewart and Ricky Carmichael do some match racing. Wouldn't, wouldn't that wouldn't that be an epic level? That would be, uh, yeah, that would be fantastic. That would be great. <laughs> so, <laughs> cool, brilliant. Thanks, Jeff, for everything, and uh, really good to hear from you. All right, thank you, sir. You are listening to the MX Vice Show. Even Strokes is the newest e-commerce store in motocross. Built by motocross enthusiasts, Even Strokes understands your need and offers all of the products you need for a weekend at the track. Shop now for Yoko, Alpine Stars, Fast House, and more at evenstrokes.com. Hinson is the world-leading manufacturer of clutch baskets, clutch covers, clutch discs, and springs for both dirt bikes and quads. Hinson products are used by many leading riders like HRC Honda, Monster Energy Kawasaki, KTM Factory Racing, and Monster Energy Yamaha Factory Racing. Shop for Hinson products at technical-touch.com. Talon wheels have been iconic in the industry for over 30 years. Designed, built, and manufactured in the UK. Talon wheels, sprockets, and footrests, and clutch baskets are used by professional riders like Jason Anderson, Zach Osborne, and Sean Simpson. Head over to www.talon-eng.co.uk for more info. Liat, protecting riders from head to toe.
Check out liat.com for more. Technical Touch have been supplying KYB OEM spare parts and factory kit suspension in Europe for decades. Many of the riders you see on track in the FIM Motocross World Championship are using KYB suspension from Technical Touch. Whether you are looking for factory kit suspension or KYB spare parts and oils, they have you covered. Shop now at www.technical-touch.com. Yoko have returned to top flight motocross with a bang. The Yoko Vili collection is made with racing in mind and designed to be the lightest and most flexible motocross gear on the market. Go to yokoeurope.com to locate your nearest dealer or shop online. The MX Vice Show. Show.